the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have an enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Okay, so let's get into God's word quickly. Psalm 11 verse 3 said, If the foundations be destroyed, what can the... Uh-huh. If the foundations are destroyed, the righteous can do nothing. If the foundations are destroyed, the righteous can do nothing. And so the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 19, it said, Nevertheless, the foundation of the law stands what? Sure. Having the seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that name the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Somebody say the foundation of the law stands sure. Say it aloud. The foundation of the law stands sure. Foundation of the law stands sure. Having the seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. So we've been looking from first Sunday in January. We've been looking at foundations you can build on somebody say foundations i can build on foundations I can build say foundations on. i can build on and what we are seeking to do is to help you to appreciate that in life is not every foundation that can be trusted somebody say in life it's not every foundation that can be trusted say it again in life it's not every foundation that can be trusted yeah, that's why it's important that you are mindful the foundation you are building upon. What it also means is that in life you are going to build something. Alright? Somebody say, I'm going to build something. I'm going to build something. Yeah, you have to build something in your lifetime. In your lifetime you must build something. And I see the grace of a builder come upon you. Amen. Build something. You must build something in your lifetime. And there are things we build on this earth. But much, most importantly, you must build something for eternity. Somebody say build something for eternity. Build something for eternity. Okay, so we are going to build something and the foundation upon which you are going to build is very, very critical. For instance, you build a marriage. You can build a house. You can build a business. You can build a church. You, you can build so many things. And the foundation upon which you are going to build will tell whether in the next 15 years you have just started your building of marriage. The Bible said through wisdom and house is built after many years of struggle and push, you decided to marry at last. Praise the Lord. You see, when a woman's marriage is delayed, you can't do much about it. But for a man, it is his responsibility to make the move. Yeah, so we are going to build on foundations, and the foundations we build upon is very important. In the book of Proverbs, the Bible was talking about a virtuous woman who can find for her price is more than rubies. Then, that's how he started it, and when he was concluding it, he says, 
Charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. But the woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. So he starts with virtue and then he ends with virtue. The foundation upon which we build things will determine how well they do. So I don't want you to take things for granted at all. Don't just look at a woman and look at her Coca-Cola shape, her hips. Now that they are adding artificial ones, all kinds of things. And then you are moved. You go in only to realize that you have carried a hired assassin. Praise the Lord. Yeah, because there are some women, the moment they come into your life, everything begins to go down. And there are some men also like that. They've messed up their lives. So the moment you make an alliance with them, everything begins to go down. Very important. And they look sharp. They talk sharp. It looks like all is well. That is why spirituality is key. Sometimes you look at a man, everything it seems to be very well, but you seem not to be at rest in your spirit. Don't be foolish to go ahead. You know, pastor, I don't know. I think he loves me. He does all the things, but I don't know. I can't put my hands on it. That is the thing. What you can put your hands on is what the Holy Spirit is drawing your attention to. And if you flout it and you go, sooner or later, it will catch up with you. But I pray that in this house, you have godly homes. In the mighty name of Jesus. Okay, so we're looking at that text, uh, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10 to 15. By the grace God has given me, I have laid the foundation as a wise master builder. Someone is building on it. And so this year, in order for us to build our lives wisely, we must lay a good foundation. Somebody say a good foundation say a good foundation you see when a building stands tall it's painted beautifully you will think all is well you can see the foundation sometimes you say ah but these guys this couple they were doing so well they were getting all how come how come really do marriages that break up start with that foundation most of the time i've counseled a lot of people who have gone people have married for 25 years and they ended the marriage yes you can't imagine a marriage after 25 years ending. Yeah. Because sometimes people build a marriage and it's around things. It's around properties, around children, it's around all kinds of things. So after those things have been taken away from the home, you realize that there's no relationship. The children are grown and they are gone. The man comes home and he feels bored because there's no relationship. He's not built a relationship with the spouse. Am I communicating here? Most of the time, most relationships that will fail, they fail before they begin. They fail before order. They fail before they begin. People are usually not honest with themselves. They fail before they begin. God, the foundation is faulty. Listen, I want you to appreciate the place of foundation so much that you will not joke with your destiny. Some of you are hanging around with a gentleman. He can buy you an iPhone. He can do all kinds of things. So some people, when they come before me and I'm speaking with them, I can tell from the beginning where they are going. Because there are some signs when you see it is danger, stop. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's danger, red line, stop. I remember two years ago, a gentleman came to me and was telling me about all of those things. I said, listen, this thing you are talking about is impossible to have escaped this thing. You saw this. He said, yeah, pastor, I think while we were dating at one point in time, something like this should have. I said, that was the day you should have ended the relationship. I told him that the grace of God is sufficient for you. Yeah, because he's not spiritual also. He's not spiritual. And I don't waste my time with people who are not spiritual. But once a person is not ready to accept scripture, I have no time for you. My time is limited and I want to help people who want to be helped. The good thing is that even when we miss it, God can help us. 
But you see, when you lay it on the wrong foundation, by the time God helps, what bread too much? And sometimes you can even die out of the process. And you go to heaven all right, but prematurely. Am I communicating here? I want you to understand that this life, things don't just happen. People don't just become successful financially. No, there's a foundation they lay. God does not just bless people. There's a foundation upon which the blessing. You know, before the fire came down from heaven, Elijah's fire, it was not just in response to prayer, Pastor Ray. The man laid a sacrifice on the altar. Heavy sacrifice. And then the fire came and he consumed it. Many people want to see fire, but they are not ready to pay the price of a sacrifice. I've done this work for close to 15 years. And I have seen that people who genuinely, consistently and faithfully and lovingly serve God, God changes their level. He's too much of a just God to owe anybody. The Bible says he's not unrighteous to forget your work, nor unjust not to reward your labor. But the question is whether the labor is there at all. That's why we are talking about foundation. Please, and I'm talking about foundation across board. There's a foundation you lay to build a marriage. There's a foundation you lay for a financial future. If you want to have a good financial future, there's a certain foundation that must be laid. You can't spend every money that enters your hand and hope that tomorrow God will make a miracle will come you become a millionaire. You'll be a, a poor nenea. There's a word like that. Praise the Lord. You have to lay, be disciplined. But, but, but my expenses are too much. Yes. Yes, whose expenses are less? Everybody's expenses will go up. It takes discipline. It takes dedication. It takes vision and sacrifice to be able to do anything meaningful. I'm not communicating here at all. All right, so we started with foundations, and we said the first foundation is the word of God. Somebody said the word of God. Yeah, if that is not there, forget it. You are dating a man. Every time you meet, you are just talking about yourselves. And you are not making time to direct your attention to the word of God. And everything is just about the way I feel, the way I think. And the way they are feeling and thinking, you can't even find a place for it in the Bible. <laughs> I mean, this one relationship now is two spiritus. This is a Bible, Bible. Listen, that's a danger. That's a danger. That man has a, a hidden agenda you don't know of. God designed the world for us to go through it. And he created us by his word. And we live by his word. Your ability to go through the word. The world is determined by how much of the word of God you have in you. Am I communicating here? Yeah. As for success, anybody can see it. But good success is only for people who commit to the word of God. Mark communicating here. Success, anybody can see it. The Bible talks about the prosperity of fools. It means fools can prosper. Are you with me? Yeah, fools can prosper. It's not everybody who has money who is wise. No, no, no. The prosperity of fools can destroy them. The Bible talks about the rich fool. In Proverbs, it talks about the prosperity of fools. Then it talks about the rich fool. So you can be rich and foolish. That's why your mind must be renewed to be able to appreciate that the fact that a person is driving Mercedes does not mean that you must worship him as God. Am I communicating here? You have to embrace spiritual values so that you will see things the way God sees them. You see, a mature believer is the one who sees things from God's viewpoint. Not just what he thinks, what he feels, but how does God see this? What is God's view about this matter? So the word, somebody say the word. Number two is Christ. 
Christ, 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 Christ. The foundation, a Christian is one whose foundation is Christ. Somebody say, a Christian, a Christian. is one whose foundation is Christ. Yeah, your foundation must be Christ. And so those of you whose foundation is David, those of you whose foundation is Joshua, Elijah, and you call down fire and you curse people, that is not Christ. The foundation of Christ has nothing like that inside. Am I communicating here? Then, of course, number three is honor. If you want to do well in life, honor. And honor across boards. If you are married, honor your spouse. Are you with me here? Children must be taught to honor their parents. Congregation must honor their leaders. You must learn to honor your boss across everywhere. No matter how skillful you are, if you break the protocol of honor, you'll be stagnated on the pathway to professional rise. In even in your professional career, everywhere, honor is an unwritten code. They can give you all your job description. What they have not added is honor. And that is what will ultimately define where you find yourself. How you honor your boss, how you honor the people around all of those things will define. How come sometimes two people are so talented and gifted and yet they don't go so far? They have dreams and goals and yet they are not able to achieve so far because the principle is broken. That's what we are talking about. Then, of course, I did service. Somebody say service. service. Okay, service. That is what I did last two weeks. And, of course, mommy took us through a powerful session last week on love. Somebody said the foundation of love. I was listening to the message and I was like, wow, this woman is something else. Praise the Lord. I was listening and I was enjoying the message. The foundation of love. Paul said that we be rooted and grounded. So love is the foundation. You have to be rooted and grounded in love. If you don't want to die early, walk in love. If you want to live a meaningful life, walk in love. Praise the Lord. There are people who are alive, but they are dead. Emotionally wounded. So wounded that the people who love them, they can't see it. And all because they can't let go. Love. Love like God. Love authenticates true knowledge of God. All of that was beautifully carried through by mommy. And then we want to continue. Last two weeks, when I started service, I couldn't go far. And I want to continue. Look at Romans 12, verse 9 to 12. Romans 12, verse 9 to 12. And it begins with sincere love. Love must be sincere. Let's read it together. Love must be hate what is cling to what is. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to that which is good. Be devoted to one another in Oh, say it. Be devoted to one another in Honor one another above then look at verse number 11. Never be lacking. Say it. Never be lacking. Never be lacking. But keep your spiritual fervor. Keep what? Your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. What I want you to appreciate is that service is non-negotiable for you as a child of God. When Jesus came, he built his life on the foundation of service. He said, I'm among you as the one that serves. Then he told his people, the greatest among you must be your servants. The apostles, rather than call themselves apostles, which they were, signs and wonder workers, which they were, scholars, which they were, they chose to rather identify themselves as born servants of Christ. Why? Because they knew that that carried a greater value in the sight of God than anything. 
Apostle Paul built his life on the foundation of service. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 20. He said, for you are bought with a price. Somebody say, I am bought. Uh-huh. This is 1 Corinthians 6, verse 20. For you are bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God and your spirit, which are God's. Somebody say, my spirit is God. My spirit is God's. My body is God's. Now, that's where service begins. When you begin to understand that, and as a New Testament believer, you don't owe yourself. Christ owns you. You are his slave. It becomes automatic for you to appreciate the place of service. He said you are bought at a price. In the book of 1 Corinthians 7.23, he said, for you were bought at a price. You were bought. You were bought. You were bought. Jesus did not just come and Satan just handed you over like that. No, 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 no. He had to pay for it. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 18 to 19. Ligambo de zimbele betosa. He said, for you know. Somebody say, for you know. This is Peter. He wrote to them. He said, I want you to know this. What are you supposed to know? That God paid a ransom if you've heard stories of people who have been kidnapped before, Satan and sin had kidnapped us. Through sin, he kidnapped the destiny of man. Sickness kidnapped us. Poverty kidnapped us. Jesus came and Satan said, before I let them go, you have to pay me. And the Bible says he paid. He paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere what? Huh. What you worship. What is keeping you away from serving God? The Bible said the price that was paid was more than that. The price that was paid to redeem you, to make God own you as his property, was more than mere gold. You call gold mere? Yes, that's what the Bible calls it. Mere gold or silver, which lose their value. Do you know that money loses value? But everything loses value with time. On this planet, everything loses value with time. That's what the Bible says, that don't lay up treasure for yourself on earth. Because on this planet, everything can lose value. Build a house, it can lose value. Marry a wife, she will depreciate. The breast that is standing today will fall tomorrow. She can lose value. Everything loses value on this planet. But there's a planet where nothing loses value. There's a planet where everything is ever the same. And that is a place you and I are called to lay up our treasures. And I pray that you'll be wise to be able to do that. Somebody shout, believe in amen. Amen. I started talking about service and I want you to understand from a biblical... I'm a student of the Bible. What I see from scripture is what I teach. Praise the Lord. There are people who can teach to excite people's emotion or to feed into a certain narrative. No, I teach as I see from scripture and as I am able to interpret scripture in the proper context. Look at the book of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 to 12. So Christ, somebody say so Christ. Gave the what? Christ himself gave what? Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And verse 12, he says, to equip his people for, so that the body of Christ may be, so that the body of Christ may be. Now listen, if Christ has a job for you, and he has the people, the personnel to equip you, clearly defined, you cannot miss the kind of job he's talking about. Yeah, because... Over the period, a lot of people have associated their professional careers with service to God. 
That's what they believe. I'm a doctor and I serve man by serving God. That is true to some extent. But in the sight of God is different. When the redeemed is serving God, he serves to the building of the kingdom of God. Medical school, when they taught you physiology, they were not equipping you to serve God's people. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's not it. When you did community health, yeah, that's not it. Those are the, the people who taught you that the professors, they are great people, but they are not the people who equip you to do what God wants you to do. There's a certain group of people, they call them apostles, prophets, teachers. Those are the people God has given the responsibility to equip his people for the works of service. When you go to school and they equip you, they equip you to acquire a degree, acquire a profession so you can earn money out of it. And it's okay. But don't let it influence your thinking to think that because you are doing that, something is getting credited to your account in heaven. There's nothing there. All the account they pay you and you collect and you use and you don't even tight on it. When we mention first fruit, you get angry. That is all you are getting. At the end of it, there is nothing on the other side for you. And a life is a wasted life if that life is lived and invested only on this platform. It's a wasted life. It's a wasted life. Your life is totally wasted. Sometimes when people die early or they go through some catastrophic accident, it can be very painful and all of those things. And, but you see, what should pay you more is when somebody dies without a living relationship with God. And what should also pay you more is when a Christian dies and he has not invested himself, his life, in things that matter for eternity. When a Christian dies. Because when a Christian dies, it's supposed to be a blessing. But some people die and it's like Satan is happy. Yeah, because they, they were not useful to God. They were not useful to the kingdom. They were just saved. That's all. And those are the people the Bible says on the judgment day, they will find themselves in the place that they need to receive what they need to receive. Look at that with me. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Their apostles, their, 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 and verse 12. Look at this. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church. Yeah. Yeah. When you meet a good pastor, what he does is that he equips you to do the work of God. That's what a good pastor does. That's what a good apostle does. A good prophet is not the one who is telling your panties blue. And you are excited. You are overwhelmed. He calls your phone number and you are jumping. That's not, he is great. It's a revelational gift. But that is a gift that if you learn to develop your relationship with God, you will know it yourself. You will be able to see things like that yourself. I'm not communicating here. A good pastor, a good prophet is the one who equips you for you to do the work that you have to do. Somebody said, there's a work for me to do. Yeah, that's it. There's a work for you to do. And it has to be done in this life. And that's what we come to church for. You see, when you don't know your job, you will never be promoted on it. I was talking to a young man last week and I was helping him to see something. Here you are, you have been hired, you have been given specific instructions. And every time when the assignment is, he said, I'm not too comfortable. The way my boss is dealing with me. And I sat him down for a minute. I asked him two, three questions. I saw how foolish he was. Your boss has hired you. He's giving you clear instructions, clear responsibilities. You are not even living up to that. I told him that, listen, I give you just one month. If this attitude does not change, you'll be fired. You'll be fired in no time. And that's the same thing. Today, we are men of God who have been fired by God. 
men of God in the sight of men, but God has no place for them. Because what he's assigned them to do is not what they are doing. Because the congregation is so, some way that if you don't take care, they will force you to do what God do, does not want you to do. That's the kind of era we live in. People come to church and it's about me, myself, and I. That's all. That's all. When they come, oh, today the service was not nice because I didn't feel too good about the praise. <laughs> you were a baby. Stop. Come off it. Come over yourself. You are too obsessed with yourself. You think you are important, but you don't matter in the scheme of God. He said their responsibility is to equip you to do God's work and build up the body. What are you doing? As you are sitting here, some of you have been here two years, three years, six months. What are you doing practically to build this body? What are you doing? Just come sit and go. Just come sit and go. What are you doing practically to help build the body? That's what we are talking about here. What does it mean to serve? To serve is to spend your life. Last week I started giving you some explanation. To serve is to spend your life in active pursuit of his will and purposes on the earth. That is what it means to serve. Number two, I said to serve is to prioritize God and his interest and the interest of his kingdom above all else in your life. That is number two. And we saw that in Timothy, we saw that in Epiphraditus, Philippians chapter 2, verse 19 to 22. But I hope and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to send Timothy to you soon so that I may also be encouraged by learning news about you. Follow me closely. He says, I have no one else like him who is so kindred in spirit, who will be genuinely concerned for your spiritual. Oh, say it, spiritual. Okay, so Timothy was different because he was concerned with the spiritual welfare of God's people. Look at verse 21. And this is very characteristic of a lot of people in the modern day church. For others who have deserted me after my arrest, all seek to advance their own what? Their own what? Their own what? Their own interests. Their own interests. I want to become an MP. And that's all. That's all. He's so overwhelmed, driven. When it comes to politics, he has passion, he has energy, he has drive. He doesn't seem to go worry. When it's come to his professional consultancy program, he's driven. Nobody needs to send a text to motivate him to go and undertake the course. But when it's time for midweek service, they can send message and call him on top. He will still not come. He's seeking his own, not the things of Christ. You see, <laughs> I don't like to predict doom for people, but you see, when you live your life outside Christ, you can be in Christ and still live miserable. There are some people who are in Christ and their Christ life, they are not living it because they've not learned to understand what it means to be in Christ and how to live a life in Christ. The Bible said, for all of this, they seek to advance their own interest, not that of Jesus. So there are things that are interested, Jesus is interested in, they are not interested in. So we have soul winning, they are not interested in. We have prayer, they are not interested in. The word of God, they are not interested in. Giving, they are not interested in. We say we are building the house of God. No, I have to put my money in treasury. Keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on. They are not interested in the things, but Timothy was different. Now look at that. Verse number 22. For you know of Timothy's tested wealth and his proven character that he has served with me to advance the gospel like a son serving with his father. There's a book I'm writing based on this text. He said, he said, you see, whatever you are doing, there is a way human beings look at you, but there's a way God's measurement is different. Sometimes there are people who come to me and when they share their testimony with me, 
how could see that listen the scale God uses is different altogether. The same text he talked about Epiphraditus. I think I need to do that quickly to you. Verse 25. Let's read it together. One go. Meanwhile, I thought necessary to send back to you, oh, Epiphraditus, who has been my brother and companion and fellow, who was also sent as a messenger to take care of my. Now look at verse 26. Let's go. He says, For he has been for all of you and was distressed because he had heard that. Now, this is a man who was breaking himself to advance the cause and the growth of others in Christ. And he was sick. But when he was sick and the people he was caring for heard that he was sick, he himself will no longer care about his sickness. He was troubled that those people were disturbed by the news of his sickness. You, when you have headache, today I don't feel too good. I think I should just relax my body. Yeah. If there was an assignment in your office, you will relax your body. You will stay up all through the night. We say we have early morning prayer. You can't wake up and join, but you can wake up to catch a flight for personal interests and business. Are you in church? Yes. Can I continue to preach? Yes. All right. He said he's been long in verse 27. Kadibaha. He certainly was sick and was close to death. Look at this. You see, this is the heaven. I want you to have an idea of the kind of people we say we are going to heaven with. Many years ago, as a teenager, I was in the service, and a man of God was preaching, and he painted this gloomy picture about hell. And he was talking about heaven, and the fact that some people will be in heaven, Zongo. You see, as I matured, I began to see the reality of some of these things. Because there are people, they are in heaven. When you see what you could have become, but you couldn't become it, You'll be miserable the rest of your stay there. So there's joy in heaven, but you won't feel it. Why? Because you looked at the opportunities God gave you. The lives you could have imparted. The people you'd have saved. The souls would have been saved. The people you could have helped develop in faith. But because you were occupied with yourself, family, business, and job, and profession. Here you are. All of those things are not there. How will you answer? When Billy Graham comes into the zone and the whole of heaven rises and you enter there and nobody is there to welcome you. You are in heaven all right, but you'll be in a miserable place. Listen, if you are born again, heaven is not a prayer point. Oh. There's a song. They say, on their lies, on their lies, a true believer shall be raptured. Listen, if you are born again, you are already raptured sitting in heaven. The Bible says we are citizens in heaven. We are already there. We operate from there. That's where we come from. That's where we operate from. And so that's why Paul said that because you are born again, set your affections on things above. Because you are not an earthly being. So don't be occupied with things on earth. Set your affection on things above. Where is your affection? Because your affection will determine the attractions. What you attract will always be defined by what is in your heart, your affection. The Bible says Solomon went to God and said, Lord, I have come to express gratitude. And he offered unto the altar a thousand burnt offerings. God says, Solomon, I have not seen this kind before. Because this was in your heart, I'm going to give you something you never could have asked for yourself. You know, Solomon, God gave him the opportunity to ask. He couldn't ask. He couldn't ask. So he asked up to a certain point. Then God said, Solomon, there is something more you need I will give you. That's the same thing Jesus said. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Most of you like to look at this prayer of Solomon. He prayed for wisdom. Ask for what he asked for the wisdom to do. It's not just wisdom to become successful. Wisdom to prosper. Wisdom to build house. No, 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 no. That's what Solomon asked for. 
Give me wisdom that I will know how to guide your people. You are looking for wisdom to build a house so that I will know, ma'am, the first person to own three houses at my age. Keep on. It's a great dream. Keep it up. And God will bring it to pass. But listen, before you build one, two, three here, build about 10 or 20 there. I'm not communicating it. Build about 20 there because there, nobody can touch it. Nobody can touch it. That's what the Bible said, Matthew chapter 16. He said, don't lay up your treasures here where thieves can break in. Fire can enter it and tomorrow is not there. But do it up there. Do it up there. Do it up there. Number three. That's where how to continue from. Number three, to serve God is to make your life. Somebody say my life. Say my life. Say it aloud, my life. My life. Uh, he said to serve God is to make your life and resources available for his use for the benefit of his kingdom and others. You can add that. For the benefit of his kingdom and others. To serve God is to make your life available. Available. Somebody say available. available. Say available. Yeah, to serve God is to make your life available. Have you heard people say, give your life to Jesus? Come and give your life to Jesus. How many of you have heard preachers say that before? But how many of you have noticed how I make altar call? I say, if you want to accept Jesus, you don't give your life to him. You don't have a life to give to Jesus. If you listen, when I'm making an altar call, say, if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, because a gift has been offered, yours is to receive. You have nothing to give. You have no life to give. Are you getting what I'm talking about? It is when Jesus enters your life that now you have a life to give. I'm not communicating here. You get life to give only after God has entered your life. And so when you read Romans from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 8, he tells you about what Christ has done to make you his own. Now that Christ has come to own you. He has justified you freely by grace. He has given you everything that you need for life. Now that he has done that, in the book of Romans chapter 9 to 11, he tells you about God's plan for the Jews as he relates to the Gentiles. Then verse 12, he begins to tell you. Go to Romans chapter 12 verse 1. Let's look at that. Let's read it together. One go. So then, wait. So what? So then, so then means that he's speaking with reference to all the things he said. And the proper theological exegesis of this text will take you to Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 2, Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 5, all the way to 8. And then you can even add 9 and 11. Then he says, after all of that, it's like saying finally or in conclusion or as a result of all the things I've said so far. Now, this is how you ought to behave. Then he's telling them. He says, so then, my friends, let's go. Because of God's great mercy to us. Wait, do you remember when we were talking about salvation saved by grace? We talked about God who is rich in mercy for his great love where he loves us. It was God's great mercy and love that saved you. He didn't save you because you were too good. You have never sinned. You have never humanized. You have never committed fornication. No. The Bible said by grace we are saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should So he says, because of God's great mercy that I make appeal to you. The mercy has already been extended to you. And on the basis of the mercy, I am begging you. I am beseeching you. He said, I appeal to you. Offer what? Yourself. Read it. Offer what? Yourself. Offer what? Offer yourselves as a living 
dedicated to what? His service and pleasing to him. This is true worship you should offer. To worship you, I live to worship. That's not true worship. That's not true worship. Your presence, you can cry all you want. That's not true worship. True worship is seen when you offer your life on the altar as a living sacrifice dedicated for his service and use. Is that how you are living your life? Is your life offered on the altar? Or your life is your own. I mean, the song is beautiful. My life is not my own. To you I belong. I give myself to you. The only time you are called to give yourself to God is after you have accepted what God gave to you. Yeah. The reason why he's saying give yourself to him is because he gave himself to you. So now, when you give yourself, he can accept. But before this time, whatever you gave was a filthy rug before him. But now, whatever you do is a pleasurable sight in his sight. When he sees you serve, when he sees you give, when he sees you usher, when he sees you stand in the place of intercession, week after week, praying and interceding for God's people, when he sees you out on the street, in spite of your profession as a pharmacist, as a doctor, sharing trust and inviting people to church and getting them established, when God sees that, he's excited about your life. He sees that your life is becoming relevant to his kingdom. Human beings have found relevance in our lives. Has God found relevance in your life? Your old school, they hail you, but heaven is crying over you. Your profession, you have become a guy in the place and everybody is celebrating. Heaven looks so disappointed that you are insulting the blood that was shed for your life. Dedication. Dedication. When you offer yourself not that they will compel you, beg you, oh, can you sign? Can, no, no, no. You offer yourself. When you understand what has been offered for you, you see, it's all a sense of value. The Bible said what was given to you, silver could not buy. And now what is preventing you from offering yourself is silver? And yet what gave birth to you, what saved you, silver cannot be quantified with it. What saved you is more than silver. And today you have become so myopic, so narrow-minded, so ignorant that you are allowing silver that couldn't have saved you to now stop you from offering yourself to the one who shed his precious blood to save you. May the Lord give somebody understanding today. Amen. Listen, you brought nothing into this world. And it's most certain you carry nothing out. And so if you have one life here, you better invest it for eternity. Am I communicating somebody here? Listen, I am looking forward to him in glory. Anytime he calls, I'm most excited. But I know I have an unfinished business to do. I have an assignment that will keep me here for some time. And that assignment is to you. And that is why I'm appealing to you that you offer yourself and watch God. There are things you are looking for praying for. There are no prayer points really. They are part and parcel of the package you have in redemption. I saw in Romans chapter 8, verse 32, it gave me rest about all kinds of material things. He said, but God, who did not spare you his son, but he gave him up freely unto you. How shall he not with his son give you all things? All things. So things are not a source of concern to me. When I need them, God will give them to me. The moment I need them, he will give them to me. The Bible said the Lord God, he's a son, he's a shield. He will give grace, he will give glory. And no good thing would he withhold from them who mind his business. Not those who are preoccupied with themselves. Not those who are overwhelmed with themselves. Not those who all they are seeking is their own advancement and that of their immediate little micro family. No, 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 no. Dedicated to service and pleasing to him. This is true worship. 
This is true worship. That's what? True worship. It's not true worship when you are on a park praying to kill your enemies. That's not true worship. That's not true worship. They should die. Who should die? Christ dies so that nobody will have to die. He died and paid the price for everyone. One of these days, if you don't stop those foolish prayers, you will be standing there praying and you'll just fall down dead. Because God is saving you from something to come. Somebody say, make your life available. Yeah, because that's what he said. He said, offer it. Make it available. Offer it. You sign up to be in the choir. When we meet, you are not available. You say you want to be part of a prayer. When we meet, you are not available. You always have an excuse. Yet you sign up to serve. Do you understand what it means to serve? Make your life available. Make your life available. Some of us are too busy to be blessed of God. You are too busy. You are roaming all over the place. You can't come with God for him to bless you. Make your life available. Make your life available. Make your life. May 2023 be a year where your life will be available. We sing songs we don't mean. We sing songs that have no bearing on the things that are going on in our hearts. My life is available to you. My life is available to you. Only when it's available and we'll keep on singing until we say, Saturday, we are on outreach. At that time, that is when the song you sang, if you truly sang it, the Lord is a spirit, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. If you sang that song to worship him in spirit and truth, and we say we are going for our truth, that is the day you must remember that in truth means my life is available. And I'm going for outreach. In truth means my life is available. My money is available. Say we are giving first food. My money is available. Am I communicating here? That is Christianity. You see, I have no doubt in our church within the next maximum is five years. Some crazy millionaires will be raised out of this place. Now listen, and they are not getting it because they work hard. They are getting it because they have a heart for God. They have a heart for God, a heart that will do anything, will lay anything on the altar for God. Watch it. Mark my words. Mark my words. It's going to be a short and a quick work. He says you will do a quick work in righteousness and cut it short in righteousness. My life is available. When you make your life, your resources available, then you become a servant. To serve God, number four. To serve God is to minister to the needs of the brethren in love. Somebody say, to serve God. Oh, say it, to serve God. Listen, don't allow the conviction of the Spirit to prevent you from speaking. To serve God. Somebody say, to serve God. Is to do what? Good. To minister to the needs of the brethren in love. To minister to the needs of the brethren in love. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 10, he says, God is not unrighteous to forget your work and your labor of love. That's it. For God is not what? Unjust to forget your work. Somebody say my work. And my labor. And my labor. Do you know that your work at Cocoa Board is not a labor of love? It's a labor that comes with wages. That's not a labor of love. That's not a labor of love. Your work at Fidelity, my son, is not a labor of love. It's a labor for pay. 
But when you begin to labor, when you offer service to the needs, meet the needs of kingdom people, you are laboring in love. When you go out there, work so hard, and you come to church, and a young lady in the drama, a young boy in the choir, is uh, struggling to find a means. He has passed the exams, and he can go to the university, but because he are financially challenged, he cannot. And you make resources available. And we help such, you have gone to sweat it out, earn your money, and you have brought it. And we are using that money to pay for the fees of a person who has never served you, done anything for you. That's the labor of love. And that's what the Bible says God is going to reward you for. I'm not communicating here. He will not forget your work and your labor of love. Labor of love. That's what the Bible is talking about here. He says, for God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked. Somebody say, how hard you have worked. Oh, some of us only know hard work when it comes to our professional lives. When you are in school, you can study so hard. Hard work. How hard you have worked for him. Can you imagine that? For what? How hard you must what? Work for him. And how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. So it's not like you started and you stopped. You started and you stopped. From about five years ago, almost every year, God has given you the privilege of helping people in school every year for the past five years. You still do it. And almost every year, it looks like I'm seeing another opportunity somewhere, somehow to add somebody else. You still do. You still do. You still do. Not that you start and stop. You don't start joining the ushers and then after one week, oh, Papa, today the Papa preached for I think I want to join the ushers. After one week, you go back. No, he said you have worked hard and you are still working hard. You've worked hard and you are still working hard. I've told you too many times, if I wasn't a preacher, I don't think that any company could pay me for how hard I work every week, every day. No company can pay me. No, 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 no. The price will be too high for you to be able to pay. How hard you have worked. That's labor of love. Labor of love. Most people don't do things that does not bring them money well. I have seen that. Things that they don't get money out of it, they don't do it well. And most of such people hardly ever become real millionaires. Now, people who command great wealth are people who are able to do things that do not bring them money so well. They do it so well that people are ready to pay them anything for it. They do it so well. Excellence, you don't excel because they pay you well. You excel because you have caught a revelation about the power of excellence. Excellence is my personality. Whether you pay me or not, I do quality work. Am I communicating here? I'm a child of God. I carry the name of God in me. And excellence is associated with me. That's all. If they pay me well, it's a motivation. But if not, it's not a demotivation. I'm not communicating here. And if you can live your life like that, there's no way they put you, you will not rise. There's no way they put you. And you see, where we learn to work for free is in the house of God. This is a place. But in this generation, we have a lot of people. They are skilled. He has a certificate. He has a degree. He can work. And sometimes he's even working in this church. People have come here who can play instrument, they can work. I have personally led them to find work and they are still demanding that the church should give them something. After you came here without work, I led you to a place you've gotten job. We should still pay you. You don't understand Christ. You don't understand Christ. And with that mindset, you'll be poor the rest of your life. No matter how much anybody pays you. I said when you serve the brethren, somebody say serve the believers. Serve believers. We serve believers. When you are ushering people, you are serving believers. 
I'm not communicating here. Why you go to the washroom and you are cleaning the place and the place is messy? You can be singing and doing it because you are serving believers. And when you are serving believers, you know who you are serving? You are serving Christ. You are serving Christ. I tell people, if I'm in charge of the washroom, you won't see any dent there. Because every time I'm going there, I'm washing the place, cleaning the place for Jesus to come and use. A lot of you, you are so deceived. Oh, if Jesus were here, the way I would do this, and if Jesus were my pastor, the way I would do this, and no, Jesus, he's pastoring you through me. That's why I told you that my marking scheme is his marking scheme of you. Because he's pastoring you through me. The Bible says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to replace him. When Jesus was on earth, he was apostle, prophet, teacher, and evangelist. All of them, when he finished and he was going, he realized that no single individual could carry all. So he dispensed himself into too many people. So in an apostle, there's Christ. In a teacher, there's Christ. In an evangelist, there's Christ. And when you work with them, that's what is happening. Every time the Bible says, as much as you have done for one of these least of your brethren, you have done it unto me. Everything you do for anyone in the church, and I'm talking about in the church. I actually understand good works outside church. And a lot of hypocritical Christians pretend to do a lot of good works outside church. Charity begins where? At home. If you are not good in your home, stop acting funny that you are very kind. Unbelievers know you as kind. God's children know you as a wicked person. Look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 15. Speak in the language of a spirit. Look at this, look at this, look at this. Let's go. Will you do me a favor, friends? And give special what? Please, special what? To the family of what? Stephanas. Now, I remember some gentleman walked to church some time back. In fact, somebody introduced him to me before the service. And he was a man of a high standing or something. And then after the service, the feedback I got is that he was very offended. And the reason for his offense was that I didn't acknowledge him in the service. I didn't acknowledge him in the service. And you see, as a matter of principle, I know who to acknowledge. There are people the Bible says we should celebrate in church. He didn't say I should celebrate MPs. We acknowledge them, we respect them, but they are not the people we celebrate as a church. Am I communicating here? There are people we celebrate. You see, I want you to have a spiritual value system. This is Paul talking. He says, give him special recognition to the family of sin. You know, they were, let's go, they were among the first converts in Greece and they have put themselves out, serving Christians ever since then. I want you, I want you to what? I want you to honor and look up to people like that companions and workers who show how to do it, giving us something to aspire for. Did you see that? That's an example to emulate. That's an aspiration you must have. Aspire to be a high court judge is great. Aspire to be the best surgeon in Ghana is great. But aspire to be the best Christian servant. Am I communicating here? Aspire to be the greatest Christian servant. The most excellent one. The most excellent usher. Aspire. Do you have aspirations for things like that? I know you aspire to become a businessman. Aspire to break through. Aspire to drive yourself. But are you aspiring to serve with distinction in the house of God? Well, when it comes to church, you are on time all the time. Are you aspiring for that? 
if they go to your records and to check how prompt you were, they won't find you late all through the year since the year began. But look at the time you come to service because you are not aspiring for spiritual excellence. You don't have that aspiration. And it shows that you don't have value for your spiritual weight in Christ. Look at this. I'm talking about seven believers. They've been serving the believers since. Seven the believers. Seven the believers. When this choir comes here and they are spent three hours rehearsing, that time could be used for something else. And don't let the devil deceive you that you are wasting your time. You are investing your time. You are investing your time. There are others who are wasting their time doing other things. But those who put it in God, they are investing the time. Look at Acts chapter 9. Chapter 9, 36 to 42. Now, look here. There was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha, which in Greek is what? She was always doing what? For and helping. Yeah. By the way, these are church folks. We are talking about your goal. Verse 37. He says, about this time she became ill and died. Her body was washed for burial and laid in upstairs room. So they laid her in state. Look at verse 38. But the believers whom she had been serving, the believers that she had been given to, helping them, the Bible said they heard that Peter was nearby a leader. So they sent to men to beg him, please come as soon as possible. You see, there's a certain posture when you put yourself in. Before you pray, God answers you. When the desire comes into your heart, God will release it. You won't even pray about it. God will just release it. <laughs> it's like, you know, the centurion. When he carried his matter to the Jewish elders and they told Jesus, Jesus said, if this man has built a synagogue, I better be going with you. Immediately he left. And it's the same thing that happened here. As soon as Peter heard it, he said, ah. they said, Peter is close by. Let's get him quickly. Now look at that. Kabo Sebre, verse 39. So Peter returned with them. Look at this. Peter returned with them. And as soon as he arrived, they took him to the upstairs room. The room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing their coats and other clothes Dorcas had made for them. What are you making for people here? And there are people also who have placed themselves in the position of always receiving. Even what is given to them, they won't give something out of it. There's a gentleman one time, I've been giving him some assistance. One day I asked him, do you pay tight? He said, I don't. I said, if you don't change, you'll be poor. God has touched my heart. I've been giving to you for over a year now. And you don't pay tight out of that. You think I know you? I don't know you from anywhere. It's because you are a Christian. And that is why I've taken it to help you. God put it in my heart. And if that God, you won't take a percentage of that to honor him. You have signed up for poverty. Am I communicating here? In the kingdom, nobody rises by receiving. Everybody rises by giving. Am I communicating here? Everybody rises by giving. This is a kingdom law. I'm not talking about secular law, what happens in the world. And you know, by the way, unbelievers are free to think the way they want to think. We are not free. We are to think scripture. Am I communicating? We are not free to think what we want. I will do what I want. I will think. No, 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 no. The believer thinks consistently with scripture. For your thoughts are not like my thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are your ways higher than my ways. The Bible said they went there. These are the things is made for us. Listen, Peter, we beg you in the name of God Almighty. The other day, your shadow and aprons healed the sick. 
Peter, if any residue or any reservoir of that power is left, you better let this woman rise. Because when she dies, we die. When she dies, we die. Listen, you have not started living until others can find life through you. You have not started living until you are giving life to others. You have not started living until you can give life. Your life is a source. The reason why I know that I'm not going anywhere soon, because I give life. Wednesday, I give you life. Sunday, I give you life. Saturday, I give you life. And consistently so, I'm giving you life. And as long as life begins to flow through me to you, I will live and live well. I'm not communicating here. And that is the same life I want you to come into. The Bible said, look at verse 40. Peter asked them all to leave the room. Then he knelt down and prayed, turning to God. You see, simple. When you have a general soul there, <laughs> you don't shout, Hey! Kadibo Koshadobo Dobo! Ha! I curse every disease. No, 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 no. The person's soul, <laughs> the person is so valuable and important to God. God himself wants the person to live. But he just wanted to set the person up for somebody to see how this is. So he said, he said get up. Send them away. Didn't pray any long prayer. Get up. You remember the widow who gave Elijah food to eat? That day, he gave Gehazi the stuff. When he went, nothing happened. When he got there, the Bible said he fell on it. And the child jumped back to life. That's all. How long have you been praying about that matter? That sickness, that disease. How long? How long? The prayer will be shortened if you begin to concentrate on serving. The prayer will be shortened if you concentrate on what? Serving. Short prayer. She opened her eyes and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Anything that is dead around you is sitting up. I speak to anything dead around you to sit up. I speak to your health to sit up. I speak to your mind to sit up. I speak to your finances to sit up. I speak to your marriage to sit up. I speak life to anything dead around you. I command your prayer life to sit up. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santata Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. Hakibo Kosa, lift up your voice. I'm going to speak in the language of the Spirit.